Hey, welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie Taylor. I hope you're doing all good. My guest today is Tully Ryan. Tully is a drummer from Sydney. He plays in uh, God Tet. He plays in Hecker. He plays with Nairi. That's just to name a few. Let's just rip straight in. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 139. Tully Ryan, here we go. Tully Ryan, how you going, man? I'm going good, Stevie. Thank you very much for coming here. <laughs> awesome. So we're in uh, we're in Erskineville, Newtown. Um, yeah, I was just saying when I got here, I, I haven't been out this way for a while, and um, lucky I don't drive a wide car, man, because it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> the parkings. Well, the best part is that <clears throat> when I uh, late at night when I can't find a <laughs> can't find a park, and I park on the corner and the no stopping. And there's like people trying to get around the corner. Yep. And I put my hazards on, and they just it's 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 too hard for them to get around, so they have yeah. to wait for me. I'm like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but even like I've I've ended up getting a park around the corner, and I'm like looking at it, going, that's actually going to be quite hard to get out of. Yeah, yeah. You know, just in the straight line, there's no corner or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So how, how long you been living out here? Uh, I have been in this house since 2019. And the house that I'm in is actually the house that my my father and my auntie grew up in. Really? So yeah, right. <clears throat> my grandmother and grandfather bought this house in the 50s. Mm. And Pop passed away years and years ago. Nan passed away a couple of years ago. But I got out of my joint in, I was just living on Alice Street just down the road. And then I was looking for a place, and then Dad was doing renos here. He was like, "Hey, Nan's living here by herself. Do you want to? <clears throat> do you want to just look after Nan and just yeah. pay board to me?" Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, awesome. That sounds good. Spend you know the last couple of years with Nan." Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and then COVID happens. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it kind of worked out really well, right? Like in terms of having a place and being like, you know, living with Nan during COVID and all this stuff and. So yeah, twenty it was like June twenty nineteen, I think, is when I yep. moved in here. And did she? Excuse me for asking, but the, did did she pass away during COVID? No, it was, uh, was it was that, after. It was yeah, after. Yeah, okay, it was, that's, it was okay. the back end of it. So because that would have been not, tough. That yeah, been not so COVID tough. related. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's COVID related yeah, yeah. during that during the whole lock, lockdown sort of yeah, yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. So so she was she was quite old. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was just me and her. It was awesome. It was cool. good. Did she music. <laughs> No, she wasn't. No, love music though. Yeah, uh, uh, quite often. I mean, I think especially when it was, you know, that that lockdown time, I'd be teaching online for most days upstairs, and then I kind of come down, and cook dinner, and then just put. Um, I mean, we didn't have the sound system at that point, but. <clears throat> uh, I just had like a Yui boom, cook dinner and just play like 
hits from the 40s and 50s, like a lot of, <laughs> you know, and then Nana would be sitting here waiting for dinner and be like, oh, yeah, you know, love, love music. Yeah. Awesome. Big Sinatra fan. Massive Sinatra. And so was my grandfather as well. Right. That's but, cool. Yeah. Did you have the drum set up in the lounge here? Or? Oh, no, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> they, were, they were definitely upstairs. There's a couple of, couple of sets of drums here in this, in this lounge. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, this is because I used to have this kit, this like Sakai kit. There's a, there's a story behind buying this kit because I remember when Andy Gander first came back to Sydney and James Waples and Paul Derricott had their studio in, was it on Victoria Road? It was in Balmain or something, studio and permanent. And and then Andy was doing lessons out of there. And Andy was telling me about Sakai and he was like, oh, it's the old manufacturers of Yamaha. I think that's the thing or whatever. And then, um, uh, what was the percussion co-op on Enmore Road? Drums and percussion. Is that what it was called? Drums Drums, percussion, D- demo, yeah. demo, yeah, demo, yeah, yeah, and and they had this kit right in there. I was like, oh, it'd be cool to have. I a thought little... I'd seen it before. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really, because there's yeah. not too many of these around. Because <laughs> it was like, I mean, that would have been. I wasn't living here at that point, so it was like years and years ago. Yeah. But that would have been sitting in the window. I was like, oh man, that looks cool because mm. of that. At that point, I was like, I've been playing big kind of drums, and I wanted like a beboppy sized yeah. kit, like bebop sizes. And it's and this one's got the cradle, and it's a, it's a bit weird, it's a bit hard to play. But um, in what in what way? Well, I that, think it's just the size just of the, the bass yeah, yeah. This, yeah the kick with the cradle is a bit hard if you don't have like I don't know, it can just be a bit funny, a bit awkward, right? <clears throat> but it sounds awesome. Yep. Like and it's it's cool for a little practice kit, but this was definitely upstairs, and then would be like, "Are you practicing drums?" I was like, "Yeah, that's right." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what what um what wood's that made out of? I have no idea. Okay, <laughs> I actually have no idea. Um, sounds good though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, I mean that that that's just like a cannon. I mean, I, I remember yeah. seeing that and I was like, "Oh, you, you remember seeing like." Um, Steve Jordan, how he used to have the two the two kits set up next to each other. Yep. And it was like, what he used to play Yammy, like Yamaha, Yammy yeah. with yep. with John Mayer. It was like that really long cannon kick drum. Yep. I was like, yep. fuck, yep. it looks like that. And it's it kind of sounds like it. it's real like doofy and cool, and like doom. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's a bit of a hybrid because I've got that Manu Cache Piccolo and that Pearl. Yeah. Thing, but yeah, <laughs> I've got the set of the Ludwig Beats drums. Little yeah, small, yeah, cheap, cheap things. <clears throat> yeah, really, that, really cheap. Oh, gee, that that I always drums want, a cannon. Yeah, I always wanted those too. I think that was like I couldn't quite afford that, and this was like kind of discounted at that joint. And yeah. I was like, oh, cool, I'll go for that. Um, but yeah, it served me well. Yeah, yeah. Very <laughs> I've never really used it on a gig. I just use it as a yeah. practice kit, mm. which is cool. That's cool. Mm. Um, have you always sort of lived in the West? Um, I have for the last, oh, yeah, for the last like ten, nine, ten years. 
in this kind of, oh, actually eight years, I guess. Like all, Newtown for like the last seven or eight. Mm. And I was in Redfern before that and in Glebe for a tiny bit before that. And then like I grew up in Homebush. Okay. That's where my folks. Born, born and raised yeah, in Homebush. Yeah. yeah okay. And that's where my folks live there. <clears throat> and yeah, it's kind of, it's just close and local and yep. good for everything, yep. I think. yep. I'm, I'm, and especially Urco now is like, you know. What'd you call it? Urco. Urco, yeah. That's, oh, cool. I haven't heard yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, I think this is the first time I've ever lived in a place that, uh, I mean, obviously my, my nan and pop grew up in this, you know, raised um, my, my dad and my auntie in this place. Mm. But, they, everyone knew my nan and my pop as well. So it's like the first place I've lived in where it's like actually getting to know the neighbours. Yeah, right. Even when people move in, right. like people move in next door, it's just like, it's very like, you know, not just like next door and the next door, it's like across the street and like I've got friends on the street and it's, yep. it's cool. It's, it's community. Yeah. yeah, it's community. It's like the first time ever I felt that. It's like, whoa, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Because I've just lived in share houses and it's like, you know, you just hang out in the yeah. house and it's like, cool. Yeah, gotcha. And then you do your thing. But so, <clears throat> so you said Nan and Pop were, like everybody knew them. What what did they do? What what was their well jobs and what were they in the community? My Pop was a, he was a, he worked at a factory like um, as a, I think it was a carpenter. Mm. And he, um, so actually, oh, fuck. Oh. That chair you're sitting on, actually. He made, he made, he made that chair, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and all the chairs in the, in the, um, in, in the kitchen. The, in yep. the kitchen. He yep. made those as well. Yep. I'm pretty sure he made this too. And he would have hand turned all the, all yep. the legs up in an yep. old, la- old type lathe. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yep. That's cool, man. Uh, and my, um, my nan, I'm not really sure, apart from, you know, she used to work at the Bolo in Urco, you know, back back in the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she, yeah, everyone everyone knows Helen and, and Bill. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Very good. Um, now, before we, we're going to roll it right back. Before we do that, what's the day in the life of Tully Ryan at the moment? At the moment, it's pretty... It's pretty chill. I'm I'm actually trying to like I'm trying to play more drums as I've got a bit more time at home before I go away again cuz this year's been pretty consistently busy with like going overseas and then coming back and then right doing stuff in between and then going back and round round round. And then I'm <clears throat> I'm also just trying to say yes to a bunch of stuff. Because I like to fill up my time with a bunch of different things, you yeah, know. Yep. Like regular things that I've done before and then things that pop up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I reckon that would be cool to do. Plus, like, it would be nice to make a bit of money yeah. as well. Uh, and then, like, doing this kind of teaching thing, which is not really teaching, but um, it's like sitting in with student bands. Yep. Um, and yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to like, 
at the moment, now I've got a bit of time before I go away. I'm trying to get back into the practice routine, which I haven't done in a while. Okay. <laughs> and I think that's like, yeah, it's a hard zone to get into when you get back from a bunch of touring and stuff and all you want to mm. do is sit on the couch. Yeah. Like I sat on the couch and watched that David Beckham talk yesterday. Did you? It's quite good, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> and I was like, man, I want to play drums as good as Beckham can kick the yeah, yeah, ground gotcha. ball. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's cool. That's a good drive. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, well, it's funny too because it's like you think that's that's like you know, quote unquote, a waste of time. But then you see it, it's like, oh fuck, it's actually kind of inspiring. It's just like it's funny how like <clears throat> sport and and art kind of coexist in mm. a, in a in a funny way. You know, regardless of how cheesy some of the bits in the doco are or whatever. I think it's like all the principles are there and it's just like the drive and the motivation for that shit is like, oh, it's it's real. Like, Yeah. <laughs> even when he's like, yeah, I think it's <laughs> when he goes to LA and, and the LA Galaxy thing and then he's just like, He's just like, who are these guys? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and I was like, oh, it's, and then he's just like, oh, no, it's and actually, he's, he's still and, striving and he, to be yeah, great. Yeah, and then yeah. he goes away, doesn't he? he goes yeah. away. Where did he go to Inter? Uh, M- oh, Milan. Inter Milan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then, yeah. and then, came, and then he comes back. back, and yeah. it's like he was there for like six months, and then he's just like, and then he starts to to kind of develop a relationship within the, you know, even though they're not at his level, not familiar, yeah. like Manu or whatever. <clears throat> I think that's kind of that's really beautiful and cool and yeah and and that thing and I was like fuck why am I why am I so into this Beckham doco but I was like I was born in 91 and I remember actually I was talking to Brendan Clark who played bass last night <clears throat> with us uh me and Dave and he was just filling in for Yanni but it was like he was like man I fucking remember when Beckham shaved his head and everyone wanted to shave their head at school. I was yep. like, man, I think I did that because <laughs> yeah, yep. it's just like the influence of, of that. It's crazy. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it was like parallel that his stardom was parallel to my life. Yeah. Even though I wasn't actively aware of it, I think it was just like, what the hell? <laughs> I think there's millions of people. With yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I was just like... <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure I had a Man U polo when I was a kid. Yeah. I, play, I mean, I played soccer when I was a kid. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think the best, <laughs> I think my favorite bits about the doco were the bits of Eric Cantona. Like, he's just such a badass. Have you seen the that Man United doco when it was obviously, <laughs> it's obviously no. been written by Cantona because he's... He's got this whole theatrical thing. He's doing his bit on a stage, telling a story, real you know close ups mm. of him, and you know he's got that <laughs> that sort of snarl and yeah, yeah. You know, it's um, yeah, check it, it out. So I think it was on Netflix. Yeah, man, yeah. okay, I have to see yeah. it. But he, he's a character. I can't oh think. man, he's he's a straight up killer. Mm. Like I think like I, <laughs> I was talking to um, Dave who was doing the gig last night, and his like his. Guilty pleasure is like 
<laughs> 80s, 90s, like soccer, that's his shit. And he was just like, yep. we were just talking about Cantona and just like how how profound he is, but just like, so he just doesn't give a fuck. Like, yeah, it's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yep. And then I was just looking at his Wikipedia. I was like, man, this motherfucker's been in so many films. Like, is, <laughs> check his, his like filmography. He's yep. been in like all these films since like 95 or something. I was yep. like, oh, that's mad. Yeah. And they, uh, they asked him in this documentary, you know, do you have any, yeah, because there's that infamous flying kick. Oh, the, the flying s- kick. kick. Yeah, yeah. And they said to him, do you have any, um, any regrets about that? And he goes, yep. Yeah, that he didn't kick him harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, uh, yeah, there's that 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 clip of that <laughs> that fly kick yeah. in the crowd, and then there's a, a bit after <laughs> where he's like, he does the press conference, and it's like he says something about the seagulls, and it's like, what the fuck are you on about? I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Switched it off. Yeah, hey? yeah, yeah. All right, man. Let's roll it right back. Um. And try and find out uh, where this whole music sort of thing kicked mm-hmm. off for you and, you know, sort of then roll, wind it back up. Yeah. So um, you said your nan and pop weren't musical, but what about your mum and dad? Mum, not musical at all. Mm-hmm. Neither is dad, but dad's massive music lover. <clears throat> um, loves music to bits and like has every record. Like He still goes to gigs. Like hipper gig, like hipper gigs than I go to, like hip yeah, to shit. Really? He he's like sent me this ticket for the South by thing on Saturday because him and Mum were going to Melbourne, and he was like, "Oh, do you want to go?" I was like, and he was like, "Oh, there's this this Japanese punk band that I really wanted to see." I was like, "I've never heard of them. <laughs> I think I've seen the name." I was like, "Okay, yeah, cool." Um, so yeah, he's just he's super across everything. Yep, big influence. Massive record collection. Um, yeah, it's just can play a bit of guitar, can sing. Apparently, never heard him. Right, but just like big music lover. Yeah, frother. Right. Yeah. So obviously, music playing around the house all the time. So when? Yeah, was, yeah. When was that? That time that you started really digging it, and and what was it? Do you well, remember I what think- the music was? <clears throat> The more I think about it now, I think it was like, because my, so my my dad grew up here in Erskineville and my, my mum's from Lismore and all her family's up there. So every year we'd spend maybe about a month up Christmas time going up, to, driving up to Lismore. And back then the drive was like fucking 13 hours or something, you know, 14 because, you know, me and you know, I've got an older sister and, you know, we were kids, so... Stop more. Yeah, it's not like it is now. You can you can piss it in in like nine, maybe eight and a half. <clears throat> but I used to have a like outside of the Walkman that I'd have. You know, Dad had always been playing music in the car. Mm. And I think those long trips really. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the Walkman especially. I was listening to a, a bunch of stuff. You know. Like heaps of heaps of Beatles, heaps of Stones, heaps of heaps of Led Zeppelin, um, and then other kind of shit that I wasn't really hip to or didn't really understand up until later on in life. I was like, I don't really get it. And what, like, what do you mean, like it, because it was progressive or yeah, fusiony? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Right. I think yeah, to you know, shit like 
I mean, I I understood like, um, I understood Dark Side of the Moon. I understood like I uh, wish you were here, but shit like uh, animals or metal, those kind of re- Pink Floyd records, like I didn't really fuck with until maybe like. I'm not even joking, like four years ago, I was like, I'd go mm. back and listen to it. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, right, I get it, you know? Yeah. I get the thing. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, super extensive record collection. Always, yeah, always stuff. And he still sends me stuff to this day. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is cool, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> he was yeah. here yesterday and we were talking about um, this uh, Zambian rock band called Witch. Um, yeah, which is sick, really cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, was it always drums? Well, I started playing guitar before I played drums. Okay. And it was yeah. So <clears throat> I was fourteen. Fourteen? Yeah, fourteen. When I started playing guitar, and I took lessons on Concord Road. Um, in Concord, and. There was a music shop there, and I can't remember the name of my guitar teacher, but he was a really cool dude. And at that point, I was, like, really into, like, metal and hardcore and kind of grunge and all this shit. And <clears throat> I kind of took lessons with that dude for about, I don't I can't even remember. And I was like, I think maybe... Dad was like, "There's a drum kit in the in the shed. It was in you know we inherited this drum kit from a family friend, <clears throat> um, Rod Gilchrist, who, who passed away, and my sister had had picked up drums in high school, you know, and kind of played for a bit. And I was like, "Oh yeah, true. Maybe I'll give it a shot." And then it was like, I was doing both guitar lessons and drum lessons at the same time. And my first drum teacher was Ross Ferraro uh, in, in Concord at that music school. And I was like, oh, I think I like this heaps better. <laughs> yeah. There's something about the, um, about it being a, uh, I don't know, maybe it was just how, how I was feeling at that point in time and I was angsty and I was like, fuck, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more primal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's, it's, it's primal. It's personal. Yeah. Um, it, it, you fucking, it, it's, it it feels good when you get it right. Um, and I just, I liked the ritual of going to the shed and, and doing that and practicing that playing along to ACDC records and Led Zeppelin and all this other shit and for hours and then, you know, at, up until the point where the neighbours started complaining yep. and then I had to get the rubber pads and then they even started complaining then and then it was like, oh, okay, yeah. <clears throat> but that was, that was my thing because I, I didn't really go, I didn't really, I had f- friends like in, in high school but, didn't really go out that much. Like that was my shit. Like yep. practicing drums, up until the point of like meeting my my best friend in high school, Andrew Record Red, who came over one day and was like, "Didn't know I played drums and heard me play drums." I was like, "Oh, dude, would you want to be in this 
band that I'm doing at this thing called School of Rock in St. Peter's. And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. That sounds cool. Anyway, joined a band and then started doing covers and stuff and that. And, yeah, it was mad. <laughs> mm. So good. What kind of music was that covers band? Uh, at that point, it was like, so it was it was me on drums and Red on vocals. And he actually played sax for one song. I can't fucking remember what it was. And then Marley Proud was playing bass, and and my, and I haven't seen Marley in a long time. Uh, and my other really good mate, who I'm still friends with now, Johnny and Glezos, was playing guitar. And we were doing like, I think we did like TVI, like Radio Birdman, uh, Basket Case by Green Day, into Jaded by Green Day. Into Smells Like Teen Spirit, into something else. Was this a, med- was a medley? Well, no, it was It was just... I, <laughs> that was the, a set Yeah, list. the Green Day, the two Green Day tunes were, yeah, okay. but that was kind of like... I think it was four songs? I can't remember what else. I do remember doing TVI and, and Teen Spirit, and I'd spray... Well, it wasn't even spray paint. I don't even was. It was like temporary hair when I had hair, which was a long time ago. <laughs> And it's like temporary hairspray, and I spray paint, painted it blue or whatever spray paint, whatever. Uh, and it was at the Annandale, and Bonnie Kay ran it, and uh, Carlos Aduro was a mentor there. Tim Koenig was a mentor there. Pat Torres, Imran Shahid, uh, Ash Rothschild, who else? Andy Clockwise. Um, yeah, so that was like when I was fourteen, fifteen, mm. and they used to, so it was every it was, it was semester run, <clears throat> and they just had a bunch of band like put kids into bands. Sometimes, like uh, kids from high school would sign up together, or you just get put in a pool, and it's just like, all right, you go with you. So it's much like at, at JMC where it's like you play drums, you play bass, blah blah blah, and then figure it out. Mm. But yeah, it was cool. And that was the start of me playing in bands. And it was mad. And yeah, that was when the Annandale was the Annandale, Sticky Floors and fucking Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gnarly. I played on that stage a few times. It was awesome. It was the best. Yep. So good. Yeah, I really, um, it's a shame what happened to that venue, but yeah, it, is. it was cool to be able to do that at that, you know, so young. And those things, those School of Rock gigs went off too. It was like all the kids, like, because kids, from, you know, I was I went to Homebush Boys and so did Red and Johnny was from Reevesby and Marley was like from Glebe and there was like Black Waddle kids and Bowman kids and all these, you know, mm. it, was, it was a cool thing. It's just, yeah. And it was all good, friendly vibes. No, yeah, yeah. Never no, drama no, no. set. That's good, eh? No, it was bad. Yeah, yeah. Especially <laughs> when you got so yeah, many yeah. coming from different. Areas. Yeah, and it was like, and it was, um. There were, you know, all the other bands too kind of had their own thing. So it wasn't like some of them wrote originals, which we ended up doing at some point. We were called, I can't, I think we were called Distorted Silence at the first. We were, that was the name of the band, an awful band name. But that was the name of the band. I can't remember what it was called at the first gig. It might have been that. I'm not sure. There's probably a poster floating around somewhere (laughs) on, on 
in my space. In my space, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Who were the who were the drummers that you were? Um, I mean, obviously you've you um you said Bonham. Oh, you were so you, you were going. You're playing Zeppelin. You're playing Beatles. Yeah. Were those the guys that you were sort of solely focusing on, or or, or was it a case of? Because I know for me early on it was like I was listening to you know players like um Weckl and mm. Collier and stuff. I could never ever play that stuff at that stage. Yeah. So I had my <laughs> my sort of level yeah. that I thought drummers. So who were who were yours? Well, I think like the main dude for me was Lucius Boric. Like that yeah, okay. was that was that was like I wanted to be him. Yeah, okay. When I was yeah. like fifteen and I heard Cog and I'd yep. seen them, I was like, I want to be that guy. <laughs> like, I want to be that yeah. guy. Have you have you met him? Have you told him? That? Yeah, yep. I, yeah. Well, I, I, when he had it, had that studio in Botany. Yep. And he was here doing a bunch of lessons. I had maybe about three lessons with him. Cool. I don't know if I told him that. I probably fucking wouldn't tell him that. But um, like, that was like you know, like new normal. And those just visiting EPs, like that was my shit. Like, mm. and he was an amalgamation of so many different drummers that I also really loved. But I think having Lucius be so, you know, be from fucking Bondi and like have you know that facility. As well as like just be a gnarly, like really left field band. Yeah. Like I don't think I've ever heard a band that sounds like Cog did, you know. And like that, you know, I still put that record every <laughs> on every now and then. And it was like, and, and I still remember <clears throat> everything about that record. Like I used to play that note for note, like. On like, not the drum kit that he had because I didn't have a fucking DW. Yeah. But it was like I just like get all the bits and pieces like a fucking tiny little roto time in the shed and put it like hang it on something and be like, oh yeah, it's kind of like a you know Audi Lucius kit. Yeah. And I used to play that record back to front. I used to, and it's funny how much I remember it now. Like, remember of that the drumming of that i was like oh man like i'd practice this so much yep not even practice it but like loved it yep same with like um carnival as well like uh sound awake that record like i i practiced not practiced again i just played the shit out of it i listened to it and i played along to it yep and just figured stuff out and i was like oh man like i mean steve judd i love steve he's such a Dude, and we've we've connected a little bit. Like, I met him once or twice, and we, every now and then we chat. And it's like, it's like, man, fifteen year old me would just be fucking flipping out. <laughs> I was like, man, dude's so heavy and like such a big inspiration for me. And I love his playing. And you know, same as when I met Lucius. Like, whoa. But that, yeah, I think the the Lucius thing was a, was a really big one for me because it was like taking all these bits and pieces and it's just like I know Lucius is a massive Zappa fan and I know he loves Bonham and loves all this shit and, you know, from, from Cog 
coming from Hanging Tree where it was like very metal centric to being this refined kind of prog band where it's like its own sound and it's like really like really intricate and it's like King Crimson-y or something, but it's like if King Crimson was from Bondi <laughs> and it's like, you know, I, I, I really fuck with that and I, I still do. Um, and I'm just like really into the whole way that that um, music was put together and the, and the way that the role that Lucius played in that, much like Stuart Copeland played in, you know, in The Police, who also, Lucius, I know is a big fucking Copeland fan, mm. much like Bonham it has his own voice, much like Ringo has his own voice, like all these like big players in all these bands, <clears throat> you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big thing. And I think I've carried that on, you know, for for me, you know, even like when I was super into Tool, I remember asking like, I think I asked Carlos Adura because I had lessons with him after, after Ross, after I stopped going to that school. And I was like, how do you write part? How do you write drum part? And I was, this was like in the living room of my mum and dad's place in Pomeroy Street in North Stratford. I was like, how do you write parts for, for songs that sound good? And I can't remember his answer, but it was like pretty profound. I remember being in, <laughs> being in the shower or something later. I was like, fuck, that's a weird question. And I was just like, the more I think of it, I was like, I don't know. I guess it's just like, you just do the thing for as long as you do. And you just, yeah. You listen. The more shit you listen to, the more you figure out stuff, and 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 rhythmically, it kind of all comes together. And yeah, I don't know. Is, and is that your approach now to parts coming up with stuff? Yeah, I I don't know. I listen to heaps of stuff now. Yeah, it probably heaps more eclectically and like just all over the shop than I did maybe say two years ago. Because I've been obsessed with buying, as you can see, I've been obsessed with buying records. Yeah, that's cool. And it's just like I like listening to heaps of stuff. Mm. And it's like I think the buying records for me has been a has been a good way of um, trying to to teach my brain to to shut off and enjoy. But also, That's, I was about ab- to ask you, like, absorb what, so, the information. So, what's your what's your listening process? Do you put the record on to pick it apart, or are you just gonna basically, like you said, lie on the couch, close your eyes, and listen, or is it a bit of both? Sometimes you can't help it, eh? Yeah, just, well, yeah, it's because uh, <laughs> it's a it's a bit of everything because, like, sometimes I'll like I'll go digging for a record that's like. I want to try and find this fucking record and sometimes I won't find it. And then sometimes I will be like, Oh my God, what the fuck? Mm. You know, I bought this like Zam rock record, um, by this band called peace called black power. And I found it in Wollongong of all places. It's like, what the fuck man? Look at this. They had three copies. I was looking for this record for ages. And that was purely like a listening thing. Yeah. And because I've been like, uh, well, every now and then I get asked by, uh, Milky, my mate Ian, who DJs and runs the Sundays at Hive Bar, uh, he gets like two guest selectors every now and then to spin vinyl with him. Mm. And 
I did that last Sunday and I was like, on Sunday morning, I was like picking out records. I was like, fuck, what's cool? So that's more like of like, what kind of works? Not like, it's like, what's the coolest shit that I really love? It's just like, because some of the coolest shit I really love is like, no one wants to fucking yeah, yeah, hear that. Yeah. <laughs> like, as you can see, that Captain Beefheart record, like, there's no shit on that record that no one's, <laughs> yeah. no one wants to hear any of that. It's like kind of almost unlistenable, but okay, like okay. hip. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's like, but I think the, 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 like I was saying, um, with, with that, with, the uh, new normal that cog record sound awake carnival where i was like sitting in the shed 15 16 17 whatever playing through that whole thing without like skipping tracks yep i think it's like forced listening to the record which i really like to do now and i you know i like to I I love doing gigs, but I think I'd I'd, I'd like to focus more on recording drums because it's fucking heaps harder. Yeah, but it's more rewarding because mm. it's like you have a thing that's like, you know, and I've just I've been inspired by so many people and and and, and listening to records and being like, just listening for sounds and like space and things and all this sort of stuff, and it's um yeah it's been. It's been good. So I listen to records for a whole bunch of different reasons. Mm. Like I've got so many, I've bought so many Max Roach records and I'd really love to sit down and just like transcribe. I'm bad at fucking writing notes or transcribing. There's so many just solos on every single one of these Max records. I'm like, that'd be sick to learn. Yeah. But it's just like, oh, fuck, you know, I just, I just love listening to it. Yeah, no, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't really have the time to sit down and do that stuff i'd love to yeah but it's just i just like it to exist and be a piece of art and be like fuck that's heavy mm. <laughs> you know so when did the, the the sort of max roach type music that sort of um uh, well that that kind of jazz when did that sort of come into your uh man it didn't really it didn't really fully come into my it didn't come in, like into my. It was kind of on the peripherals, mm. I guess. Like, I, it was, but I was kind of blindsided by. I fucking I love like. F- pretty much, like I said, like I was like a rock I fucking love rock, yeah. and I love heavy metal, mm. and I love hardcore, mm. and that was my shit. Up until like I kind of went to uni, and I was like. I was like, oh, I actually think I just love the drums. Yeah, you know, I, I love all this music. I love music and I love drums, but I was like, "Oh, if I really want to make a run with this shit, it's just like fuck. I need to learn some more stuff." Yeah. So I did. I just listened to heaps of stuff, I mean, like I always did. But I was like, the more I kind of listened to stuff and with an open mind, I was like, "Oh, okay. Whoa, yep. this is this really lots of shit and everything, <laughs> you know," um, and. Yeah, it wasn't until I kind of went to uni. I studied at JMC right out of high school. I did it for three years. And, you know, my year was just so great. Like, we just had good people in it and everyone was super keen. Well, good, good, pla- good players. Yeah, good, good players. And good teachers. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. Yep. Good teachers. Good, yeah, it was just like super chill, super small. Um, and everyone was like, 
super love, super super tight knit group. You know, by the end of first year, it got even smaller too because, like, like like anything with higher education, people go like, "Fuck this!" You know, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so that was a, that was a thing, and um, yeah, I was very lucky to 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 go to JMC at, at that point in time and have that year. You know, who, who I still kind of play with and hang out with now, and it's still my very very dear friends, mm. and um, yeah. That's good. So, it, um, talk to me a little bit about JMC. What what kind of school is it? Is it is it a jazz based sort of? No. So when okay. it's it was um, so when I signed up for the bachelor, it was a bachelor of popular music and performance, mm. which you know take that as it, whatever it is. I don't really know what that means. I haven't fucking used it since, obviously. <laughs> so. Uh, but now it's something else. I can't remember. I don't. I don't even know what it is now. Yep. But it's um, yeah. It, it, they kind of run through different styles of music, and and like it's a lot more um, songwriter focused now. So there's like there's less players, and there's more kind of songwriters. You know, because everyone's got a laptop and fucking yeah. tools are Ableton or whatever, and they can just do their thing. Um, so back when I was studying there, it was like there were more players, you know. Um, actually, heaps of drummers in my ear. Mm. Not many bass players. There were more keyboard players than bass players, which was funny. Bass players always seemed to be the hardest to find <laughs> at uni. At, at, at like a contemporary Hopefully course. they weren't all put off by the left hand of the keyboard. Yeah, player, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it was like um, just a by the end of – because I can't, can't, can't even remember. It was like I found out about JMC through my mate Johnny – who I was in my first band with, Distorted Silence Shoutouts. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I'm there. And he was the year above me. And he was like, it's cool. And they were doing kind of like every, it was like fucking seven or eight weeks, you do a performance night. So you'd, you'd do the thing, much like School of Rock, I guess. It'd be like themed, but it'd be like, okay, we're doing blues. Or we're doing Stax, Motown. We're doing fucking Beatles. We're doing Bowie. We're doing whatever. Mm. Um, and then at, at some point it would be like, okay, now I'll write an original, mm. you know, as a band and, uh, kind of did that stuff. Mm. And that was, I think when that became more of a focus and people were like, oh fuck, some of the shit that these, these students are putting out is actually kind of good. It's got legs. Like, mm. why don't we make that a whole separate course? And then that kind of became the songwriting thing, you know? Mm, yeah. That's cool. So, are you getting are you getting a lot of producer types going to JMC now? Uh, yes. Yeah. So there's a part of the course that's yeah. So it's produ- basically production. Yeah, basically. Uh, so I guess like yeah, I, I I don't know much about the songwriting course, mm. but there is like the the producer. It's somehow tied in with each other. So there'd be people making beats and stuff, and yeah, okay. but there'll also be people like you know doing singer songwriter stuff, and mm. it's kind of a hodgepodge. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, um, 
and it's still... I think that would that it sounds like that would appeal to so, <laughs> so many people. Oh man, yeah. It's, it's, Instead of going it's, the likes it's, of the con, where it's you know it's that con's got its thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, you, you know. I mean, at JMC, much like AIM or, or any uh, the other kind of places like that, have have appealed to a mass. Yep. Um. Uh. Kind of a really broad. <laughs> um, kind of net of people. We got people coming from the mountains. We got people coming from Wollongong Central Coast, mm. and that's kind of always been a thing. And still, to net like now, mm. got people coming from the area, like the west and all that and, and stuff. So it's like, um, well, tell us about the guy you were telling me about before from Brazil. Oh yeah, uh, that's, that's Pedro. Uh, uh, Pedro, he. I can't remember where he, he he's he's grown up in Brazil, but he's I think he he must be twenty three now. Anyway, he when he came to JMC, he was um he was already a pretty competent dude and like had some stuff and I had a couple lessons with him and I was like, oh man, like okay, cool. And I show him some stuff and he's kind of into he's kind of into the same things that I'm into. He's like throwing like Richard Spaven out there. I'm like, I know Richard. Yeah, I know about yeah. Richard Spaven. I'm like, okay, I know exactly. Like, And it's cool when they throw buzzwords out. It's like, I know exactly what you, what you need, what you want to know and what you, your kind of vibe is. And um, he, yeah, he'd never, he'd never moved out of, he'd never been out of Brazil before. This is the first time he moved here cold from Brazil straight to like Maruba, I think. Mm. <clears throat> And then immediately, like within two weeks, he's just like found a t- teaching job. He's working another job. He's studying. I was like, "Fuck it, hell, it's <laughs> like awesome." Yeah. Uh, and yeah, he just is still now. And this is like last year I met him. Maybe try trimester four now or something. I'm not sure, but he's um he's a little badass, and he's just like shedding all the time. I see videos like. Late at night, when I'm just like going to bed, it's just like, oh yeah, <laughs> Pedro put up a story of him just like shedding some shit, and he sounds heaps better than he did like two days ago. I was like, oh, wow. that's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I lost my train of thought then. Um, oh, so is he is he gigging? Is he out playing in bands? Yeah, he has yeah. been. He has been doing a, a bunch of things. I like. I saw him the other day, and we haven't really seen each other in a while because mm. I've, I've been away. But uh, I've been meaning to catch up with him and see see how he's going. But he has been super proactive and playing with people. Because I just said to him, I was like, I was like, man, like all you need to do, like you know, don't even worry about, don't even need to study, you don't even need anywhere. Just get out there, play. That's it. You know, all you need is a space to play. James has got that. It's awesome. And just get out there and just keep playing, keep playing, keep getting your ass kicked, mm. and be like, "Fuck, this sucks." <laughs> and then <laughs> at one point you'll be like, oh, "This is awesome," yeah. And then you'll be like, "This sucks." <laughs> While we're on that, then the whole get out and play thing for for younger younger musicians, what what are the pathways like these days? Is is there still places people can go, like these? Yeah, these young kids can go to play. Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's still the Monday Jam. Oh, that, yeah. That's always going to be a thing, yeah, you know. And there's still there's still places that you can go and get up and play. I guess I don't really know, you know. 
there's always places to go and see people. Yeah. Like I, I, I still go see gigs. Like I'm going to go watch uh, this jazz gig <laughs> after this tonight yeah, down yeah. at the Botany View. Yeah. Because um, I just love seeing people play. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's yeah. like, that's almost better. To me, that's almost better than playing. Yeah. Because it's just like, I just get to just like have a beer and just like sit down and be like, fuck, this is good. Um, but yeah, in terms of like what the jam community used to be, it's pro, everyone's, one, everyone's older, everyone's busier and doing a lot more shit. So they probably don't have much time to jam. Yeah. I mean, it's not 2008 at the Mac, you know. You know, which was like the yeah. primordial hub of yeah, yeah. I remember. everyone, you know. Yeah. And I came late to that party, you know, like when it was dying in the ass. Like, yeah. you know, it was cool. Like Abe was still in town and, and you know, Anita, like Alpha Mama. And it, that was fucking awesome. Like I wish that existed now mm. for people to be like, oh, music could be so sick. Like yeah. live music and the scene is so alive. Because I think that. The misconception with the scene is like people that don't live in Sydney, they're like, oh, it's dead, man. It's just like, it's not. People have fucking worked so hard to yeah. get their asses kicked, like to doing heaps of shit yeah. to like stay afloat. But yeah, that's just not that hub anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when there will be, you know. It's hard because everyone lives, no one lives in fucking Surrey Hills and everyone's like scattered. So it's not, it's not the same, but there are places to get up and play. It's just go there and meet people and be like, you know, I mean, if like, say if like Pedro or any one of my students or people that I hung out with, I came to a gig, I'm like, man, you want to play? Like, Mm. it's like, that'd be cool, you know? I think that's a thing. You kind of have to be a little bit more proactive with the getting out there, which is harder to do. Mm. Um, but yeah, when you're at um, when you were studying, obviously you were. I mean, you were saying before that you know you're still good friends with uh, mm. a lot of people in that year. Um, from that, during that time, were you forming bands and going out and playing, creating your own? You know, yeah, your own gigs out, or were you playing with other people? Or yeah, it was kind of it was definitely more covers, okay, and and RSLs and and weddings and stuff. You know, um, it wasn't until like twenty three, twenty four, I started doing original stuff. I was like, oh, fuck, you can make money off this, and you can tour. Like I did my first tour, and when I was twenty. Three twenty four, I can't remember. I'm thirty two now, but yeah, <clears throat> um, yeah, it was like heaps of weddings, yeah. heaps of cover gigs. Like I was, you know, this dude Ray who lived out in Blacktown, this Burmese guy, and 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 Jess who I went to uni with, you know, were doing covers, like doing fucking um, was it uh, uh South Juniors, yeah. Yeah, in the in the main room, yep. you know, and I was playing electronic drum kit, doing no. Living La Vida Loca <laughs> and ABBA and uh, From This Moment, and <laughs> uh, which I, you know, it was, uh, I looked back and I was like, fuck, that's so 
Dorby. But I was like, that's sick though. I mean, I, yeah. I listened to those songs and I was like, man, those, those songs are so good. And I just yeah. like, was like, well, this is so just lame. Took for granted. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about your foray into original music. Yeah. Can um, I have Wii first? Of course you can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to win. You're all right, man. All good. Sweet as. <laughs> and we're back. We're back. <laughs> so when did the... For, well, you, you, just, you mentioned before about you discovered original music and that you can make money out yeah. of that. So tell us what that first sort of band was. And what I'm kind of getting to is, you know, the, the, the bands you're playing with now, God Tet and Hecker and... Um. Yeah, that's sort of that. That's fantastic pinnacle sort of stuff mm. from you know what I've been listening to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah, very, very lucky to be able oh. to. I was thinking about it last night too because it was like, fuck. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is like with Dave from Godtet and Brendan Clark, um, amazing bass player, <clears throat> who I don't get to play with Brendan very often. And, you know, it was just like, just this random gig at a brewery in Redfern. And it was just, you know, at the best of times, you know, God Tet or any God Tet adjacent Godriguez thing, just don't talk about what you're going to play. Yeah. It's right. the Make Stuff Up Club. Yep. Inventors Anonymous, as uh, Brendan <laughs> called it. <clears throat> so it's amazing to be able to do that. And not only me being able to do that for the last consistently the last seven years with Godtet and other things, but be able to do that coherently with other people that have done that as well, I think is like, cause I, I feel like I live on, on, on kind of two yep. sides of the, the spectrum, you know, musically original music, the shit that's like very much down the line mm. and the shit that's very kind of open mm. And very creative, and then sometimes I can meet in the middle with you know, with with some uh, with an artist or any a uh, uh, band leader. So someone <clears> like Nairi or something, or is that more? Yeah, towards the, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, with Nairi, I yeah. think it's like she she's able to, you know, she puts a lot of trust in 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 myself. You know, not just myself, but you know, other people like Andrew Bruce, who's the MD with Nairi and also plays in Godtet to um, be able to kind of bring your own thing and not just be... I mean, you are a hired gun, but it's not just like, play this part, do this thing. It's like, oh, you got a little bit of wiggle room with like... If you're hearing something, it's just like, oh, I think it'd be cool to do this, you know? Like, you know, and I think that's that's awesome. But... <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> I think doing heaps of cover gigs and wedding gigs early on, a lot of them, when I was like, you know, I quit my fucking cinema job when I was studying at uni because I was like, oh, I've got all these gigs. It's like, oh, what the fuck am I doing? You know, <laughs> sitting in projection. The best part of sitting in projection was like I get to control the CDs, you know, just play whatever music I like. And then management would be like, yeah, what's this music? I was like, oh, well, <laughs> That's, sorry, that's a weird Peter Gabriel track that I thought was really cool. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, 
and then starting to do original stuff and 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 record with um my my friends at uni you know uh, Jess Dunbar and um Matt Price they both had original things and and we went to uni together and Jess and Matt are together <clears throat> and we're at that point too so worked on her EP and then worked on Matt's EP and then I was like fuck this recording thing's really hard <laughs> and I was like I kind of want to do more of it so it's like what, what do you mean hard? It, it's a different part of the brain, you know. Yeah. Everything's under the microscope, mm. and it's like you really need to fucking get the things right. It's like, do you remember what you were thinking going into it the first time, like that first recording? Did you? Think, yeah. You think you had? Did you think you know what you were doing? Until, I until I, I you hear your drum, I, until you hear your drums in the playback, and you go, yeah, oh. yeah. And I don't know, like, I haven't listened to it at one of those EPs in a while. I should probably do that as a, you know as a thing. But I remember like even before that, uh, my, my dad's really good mate, Steph Miller. He, when I was, before I was in uni, I was like 16. I was playing with him doing original stuff and it was kind of like folk Rocky stuff. And I played on his album before I went to JMC. So that was the first thing I kind of played on. And I listened to that recently because the dad gave me the CD. It was just like, Oh, I found a copy. And I was like, fuck, I can't put it in in my car because the last CD I put in my car was a Hendrix CD and it would spit it out for like six months. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want that to happen to this one. And it was like the BBC Sessions like Hendrix CD. I was like, fuck, they got a really good version of Foxy Lady on there. I was like, oh, man, I really want to hear that again. <laughs> um, but I listened to that. <laughs> when, my, when my CD player worked in my car again and wouldn't suck up my all my shit. And I was like, oh, it's actually not as bad as I thought because it was such a fucking long time ago. And it's like so much has happened between then. It's like, of course you'd go back and be like, oh, I wish I did this differently. It's like, oh, man, it's like fucking 18 years ago. You know, it's pretty pretty wild. But it's a wild thing, recording, I think. It's just mm. like you could always wish you'd do things better. Yeah. There's things that I wish I did better on the last bunch of records, you know. But it's just like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Just have it exist, and if the people dig it, then fuck it, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's it. Mm. So, um, yeah, like I told you, like I messaged you the other day, I, I've been really going deep into the, the God Tet catalogue, mm. um, you know, and, and from that first record to Strings, which was the, the latest one, which was the live recording, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And that was at Vivid. Vivid yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a, it was kind of like a vivid cross something. Yep. Yeah, that was that was probably the best gig gigs I've mm. done in my life. Yep. Yep. Okay. I remember. Uh, <clears throat> so it was split up into two sets. There was like the the string set, which was the first set, and we did a Wednesday and a Thursday, I think. The strings set, which is the first set. And then we did a set with uh, Julian Belbashir, Musa, Marlin, and Imad, who they, they kind of did like traditional African, their, their own thing. Yeah, I saw we, some, vi- some short yeah. videos of that stuff. <clears throat> and we kind of played behind them. Um, and I remember it was like the first night, we were, it was like after one of the tunes, like me and Yanni, the bass player kind of looked at each other and Yanni just mouths, this is the best I've done in my life. I was like, me yeah. too, man. I was like, yeah. well, it's it really heavy, you know. And like Dave, 
put a lot of fucking effort into that. Like, and it was super sick. It was great. It was like, it was amazing. And everyone put so much effort into it. <clears throat> um, yeah, it was awesome. Mm. So, yeah, that's sort of er- the earlier sort of, well, I mean, most of the albums, I suppose. Like you said, it, it, it it's that, um, what did you call it? The Something Anonymous Club? Inventors, it, Inventors Anonymous Yeah, Club. coined by Brendan yeah. Clark. Like <laughs> Inventors Anonymous. But obviously the strings thing, there's obviously written string parts. It has to be. Yeah, so... That- so, so my, I guess my question is, what's it like sort of playing that music within that construct, though? Like, yeah. when you would have, you know... Because I, I, the last time I saw you play was at the Inner West Drum Fest... Yeah, no, not the last one, the one before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, with Dave and Yarn. Yeah, Dave yeah, yeah. and Yarn. And I was sitting off, um, looking at the stage off to the left, mm-hmm. and it started with Dave just went down and he turned some envelope envelope yeah. filter on, just playing with Lego just down there, playing yeah. with Lego down there, <laughs> and it just, and that was it. It was off. It yeah, just, yeah. And it's uh, it's a bit like it's pretty much grip and rip, like yeah, for the most part. Even last night, you know, playing with Brendan, Brendan's never improvised with me and Dave in that context mm. before. Mm. And it was like, you know, Brendan's a motherfucker, so he knows what he's doing. Mm. And can, he's just, he, he's a great improviser too. Like, it's, so it was like cool. It was so different to like Yanni, obviously, or like anyone, you know. <clears throat> but again, like, I've got so much improvisational confidence from god tap because like one we've made a bunch of records where it's just like we'll go in and we'll we'll jam like 45 minute increments over two days Mm. and there's like 12 hours of shit and at least more than half of it's fucking garbage like (laughs) so what (laughs) you're hearing the best bits of like two days of shit you know yeah um and it's just like there it it's pretty much like everyone it's it's like a list it's a listening yeah exercise like yeah. and and you know i mean that from the first god tech record that was like our kind of angst it's fucking loud it's super noisy like yeah, wow, and, wow, and wow, busy, and busy yeah, yeah. super <laughs> busy and it's just like now you know as time has gone yeah. on I think all of us are just like no, we we like the space and we like kind of just playing really subtly and you know. And I think like <clears throat> for me, when I listen to again, when I'm, I'm talking about listening to records, I'm like listening to like that latest Black Mills record, Jelly Road, which Abe played on. Yep, and it's just and like Pino, right? Pino played. Yeah, Pino it. played on it, and it's like. Apart from that, like, Abe has been such a big inspiration for me for such a long time and continues to be, like, continually just fucking blows my mind. And it's, like, it's awesome, his musicality and and the shit, the the weight of knowledge that he has and to be able to just play something so subtle and make a record out of it, you know, even that, the the um, confidence to make mistakes that drum album the drum that thing he, he did, yep. he did. Yep. amazing yep um, and that kind of thing it just really 
inspires me now. It's just like, and it has for ages. It's like, that's why it's like the two sides of things. I think it's like, I really love playing like dumb, you know, Beatles-y like, not dumb, but like just kind of boom splatty stuff. And, but knowing I can do more, but not being able to do that. And that the restraint of that as creatively, I think is like a really cool thing. But yeah, the whole process of like improvising with God Tet or even with like Adam Ventura and Pliner at Lazy Bones Light yeah. Sets, like it's the the knowing that you can go somewhere but then like not but he's kind of holding onto it until yeah. a certain point because yeah. it's like it can so fucking easily go there and just yeah. stay there and then you can just like be like fuck it I'm tired yeah. <laughs> um, you know and it's just it's it's cool like and I'd I wish more people had projects that they were able to do that stuff because there's so much to be said for not talking about music and just doing it. Just doing it, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's it's pretty amazing. It's like, I, I think now, well, I haven't had students in a while, but the last couple of students I've had at JMC, I just, and, you know, that being said, they've, kind of been really fresh and some cannot really play and i was like oh god okay and i just say look um just sit down and just play whatever i'm like i don't say play a beat i just like just play and that can be like so freeing as well and it's and like such a creative process it's like it's a thing just well i'll go back to my original question in a minute, but you're just talking about that sort of <laughs> the boom splashy type beat stuff, and then and me, I've still got my head in the God Tet thing, mm. and then you've also mentioned your days playing along to Led Zeppelin in the shed. Mm. There's one song I, I I'd have to pull up my phone and have a look. I think it's it's the album with the the whiter cover with the is it the pink or the orange? Is it two? Is it two? number two? Oh, it'd be one. It was one. It is one, and it's it's sort of spacey to start off, and then you come in with so Bonham, and the sounds Bonham, you know. Is it? Is it? Is it three? Is it that one? Yeah, yeah, three. Yeah, first track. That's so funny you say bottom. I, I think when the, oh sorry the set it sounds yeah yeah no 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 yeah I mean it, it does it does sound like bottom and I was yeah. like you know I think at that point I was really getting into like DJ Shadow and like that kind of shit so right and I think I mean there's a lot of <laughs> it's quite different now I mean yeah the God Tenth Three that so that that's like quite different to how we improvise now. 
because Dave's on a whole other trip and like he's he's you know spent time in Africa and, and, mm. and Morocco and doing that whole thing. So it's kind of less like beatsy now, yeah, and kind of more like textural. Gotcha. You know, I think it was like we always joke about. Um, uh, the God Tet, <laughs> when we kind of play that loud, backbeaty, obnoxious shit, we're just like, oh, that's the lazy bone sound because we did this residency where it was like, that's kind of all we did. Yeah. We did the month and it was like, oh, that, that's the God Tet lazy bone set. Where it's just like, oh, backbeat. <laughs> and then <laughs> and now we're just like, we're in our textual sensitive stage. Yeah. yeah. So going back to my earlier where I was going to with the with the strings performance, um, you know, um, obviously, um, David written out the parts for the for the strings players. No, that was Novak Manolovich. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, from, okay. Yeah, so, so from Hecker. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, those parts were written out. So when you did that performance, um, how was how was it struck? I mean, you, you say it's it's mm. an impro improvised thing. How was that structured? Were those songs? Did they have to be within a structure, or was it a yeah. case, or is it a case of, you know, giving giving the string sections a bit of a nod? Because it, yeah. So it that was not the African set was probably more improvised than that because okay. yeah, it was like it was <coughs> Novak had composed string parts for the quart, quartet. Yeah, quartet was it. I can't remember now. I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was like kind of sections, but it was like obviously Nov was like conducting the the um, quartet as well as us. So, but if we'd rehearsed twice kind of the sections, but not like kind of come up with ideas. Right. It was more like here's the fucking tempo, like – come up with the groove okay and luckily me and yanni have played together long enough that we kind of know what we'll do you know okay, we've kind of developed our own little language, language that yep. it's like we can interlock and figure it out um so it, there'll be like key moments where it'll be like oh you, you know now the band drops out and novak will be like okay shut the fuck up or like it'll be like just drums and percussion or something you know um so it was kind of, it was, there was a bit of a roadmap. Gotcha. You know, but still all the bits in between the strings, like That's luckily would like, you know, if we kind of went in cold and did it, it would have been a fucking disaster. Mm. But the, um, the hearing the strings a couple of times before and the melodies is like, oh, I kind of get the mood, you know, like kind of figure it out. Um. So yeah, and it, <laughs> thankfully it worked both nights, and it wasn't a complete disaster. Yeah. Which is really funny too, because like we recorded both sets both nights, and initially we were like, "Oh, the because f- I can't remember which ones on on record now. I think it must be the first night strings." Yeah, yeah, I think the second night we were all like, it's heaps better. But then we listened back. Like, oh, actually, the first night's kind of a bit more vibey. Are you going to release the other the other set as well or not sure? Yeah, no, I don't, I no. don't think we will. Okay, I think cool. Maybe at a later date. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. TBC. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a special one. 
And it's it's funny too because like everyone that was at, at a particular point where everyone was like ready to see live music again and it, it meant a lot to a lot of people and meant a lot to us like that gig still does mm. I think it's um it's really it's really cool and like that was a bit of a lightning in a bottle moment like if we tried to fucking do it again it would just <laughs> it wouldn't be the yeah. same you know it, w- it just yeah. wouldn't you know yeah 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 there was so much surrounding that, I think. <clears throat> yeah. That's cool. Now, Hecker. So Hecker's, from my ears, that, that sounds like it's a little bit more formed, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, on the on on the, the latest record, yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's, there's, um, there's, it's very much structured. But when we do it live, it's a little bit looser. There's kind of we kind of like segue into tunes, and you know, because it was a long time ago that we recorded that record too. Oh right, that okay. was like twenty twenty two, twenty two. It was the end of COVID, I think. Twenty twenty one, maybe. But yeah, um, took a, a while for that record to come out. But it's it's yeah, and again, Novak. Manolovich, who, who composed the string arrangements for the Godtet plus strings record live set, he pretty much wrote or he actually so wrote all the music. Yeah, the, the piano yeah. player, right? Yep. <clears throat> yeah. And Jacques, who's my housemate, yeah, yep. <laughs> he uh, wrote one tune on the record as well. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's that's very much more. Song, but oh, tunes, yeah. yeah, yeah well, you tunes. can you can groove to them. Yeah, uh, that's what I was listening to in the car. And yeah, like, yeah. Well, oh, was, and that, that first song that there's that two bar, the drum fill break thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I think that's <laughs> that's that's my fucking. Um... That's your your thing. That's your part. <laughs> yeah, of that, that song. <laughs> yeah, record. it's so funny too because there is that fucking one drum fill in that song. And every time, every time I tried to do it live, I keep fucking it up. It's like, ah oh, man, I just because I, I, every time I did it in the take, I nailed the, I nailed it. Yeah. And I tried to do it live, and there's just something. Just I just keep fucking cooking it. But it was funny too because like now we're going back to talking about that time where I asked Carlos when I was fifteen. How do you fucking write drum parts in tunes? <laughs> and I was like, and I was, I remembered specifically talking about Danny Carey drum parts for Tool. And now I'm like, <laughs> man, am I just writing fucking Danny Carey drum parts in Hecker? <laughs> I was like, Hecker's just become Tool. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I like to make that, I like to make that kind of shit feel good. But also, you know, I was really getting into like um, like Dan Weiss during lockdown. I don't know if he's New York. It, yeah. Jazz, jazz yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And his way of playing is like, very, you know, there's some hectic shit that he does. He has the snare sort of facing down. Yeah, and, yeah. Yep. And um, he, uh, he very much like, I was signed up to his Patreon and I was, I was checking heaps of shit out and I was like, fuck, you know, there's so much independent stuff and. On that first track, you know, I'm kind of doing like this really kind of, I can't even fucking remember if I can play. We don't really play that song <laughs> um, live. So it's like I was doing something and I was like, 
it's almost like a Glenn Koch thing from Wilco as well, where it's like very much like kind of a lot of lot of polyrhythms in it. And I was like, fuck, it's, it's a, how did I come up with that? I was like, well, that's a cool part. I was like, good on me. <laughs> <laughs> good on me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, in a few years, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> in a few years you'll get some young up and comer. They'll be transcribing that. Yeah, hey, what do you yeah, reckon? I hope so. Yeah. And they'll be like, how did you? I was like, fuck, man, I am playing this shit yeah. in ages. I can't even remember. How do you do that feel? I was like, oh, God. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you also play with Nairi. Yes. Yep. So tell us how that sort of came about <clears throat> and um, where you're at with that. Well, I've <laughs> kind of been like Nairi adjacent for a long time because my really good friend, uh, Andrew Bruce used to play with Nye for a long time, and Cut uh, Eye, who who now lives in Hobart, was singing with Nye. <clears throat> and then it was like two. I can't remember. I, I remember talking to Nye about this. I was like, when when did I start playing in the band, and when did I meet you? I can't even remember. And I th- want to say two thousand and seventeen. That kind of makes sense because I remember doing like a show and this is when Jack Britton was in the band. It was like me, Jack, Nairi, Cut-Eye, Billy. And I was like, yeah, I had like one one or two rehearsals before. And it was a lot of fucking work because <laughs> I, I was a fan of Nairi before then. Mm. Like a big fan, like um, Lamentations, I, I smashed that record. I rinsed it. I was like, fuck yeah. And I'd seen <clears throat> Nari before and like I, I knew that the uh, <laughs> the legacy of drummers that had gone through that band. It's like, you know, Ross used to play, Ross Ferraro. Mm. It's like Evan Manel, mm. Terrapi, like Pies. I was like, oh man, okay. I was like, oh, cool, cool, I'm actually doing it. And I was just like, oh, fuck, this heaps of work. And it's like quite, it's it's like, it's intricate music too because the parts are, the, again, because there's so much freedom, but there's like specific bits. I was yeah. like, oh, fuck, you know, and, there, and there's a lot to it. And I was like, oh, okay. So, yeah, and then from then on, I think I'm pretty sure it was 2017, I've been part of that project since mm. and it's been amazing um and yeah me and brucey have been doing stuff with nari recently and kind of you know workshopping stuff and yeah. writing a little bit which cool. has been heaps of fun because we've never done that with nari before yeah. we just played you're tunes. telling me you haven't played on yeah, yeah we, yep. tunes that have mm. just been you know written and exist so it's really fun, and it, yeah, I think that's it. That's it's also just fun to do that. <coughs> yeah. So, um, so who who uh, previously recorded stuff? Mm-hmm. So who's playing drums on those? So on Is it the guys you would like Evan. Yeah. So on, on Lamentations, which is the three records ago, two three records ago. So there was. Blastoma was the one after, and then three. So, yeah, three, Blastoma, and then Lamentations was the one. Three records, is that what you say? Um, Ross Ferraro was on that, I'm pretty sure. Maybe Evan as well? 
I can't remember. But, <clears throat> and then everything else has just been programmed. Okay. So Blastoma, there was programmed drums. The Jack programmed Paul Mac. And three, again, programmed drums. Mm. But, yeah, I think she wants to try and um, implement live instruments for this next little thing, you know, whatever mm. it may be. And I'm all about that. I think it's. I think it'd be cool. So when you're when you're playing that that stuff live, you program drums. Is it? Um, are you adding electronics to your drum kit? Yeah, and and, my, and maybe loops and playing along to tracks. Yeah, and... I, I probably more <laughs> when I, when I first started, I was definitely doing that heaps more, like <clears throat> to to get familiar with it. To yeah, yeah. To uh, yeah, and, and and that was kind of the show and the way the show was built and yeah. Everything, everyone was kind of running out of an SPD, <clears throat> which was like heaps of. I was familiar with that because there were a bunch of projects and bands that I was working with that, like, you just fucking, you know, run the track out of the SPD mm. and run loops and samples and stuff. And, like, it's handy to have an SPD. I fucking hate the things because I'm so bad at them. Mm. And it's just another thing to for me to, to worry about. And it's just like, I wish that I I did it more that I could implement it because <clears throat> there's some players that can fucking play, you know, drums and SPD and make it kind of work. And I still yeah. haven't figured it out because <clears throat> it still feels like I'm just hitting a rubber pad mm. and it's just like takes away from me actually playing the drums, which yeah, is gotcha. like what I love to do. Mm. Um, but now the show is like Brucey runs track and I play a couple of like just one shot things like <clears throat> SPD patterns. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's always just hard. I think like monitoring wise when you kind of going from like this thing, that's like to like, bah, 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 bah. yeah, <laughs> it just feels weird. Yeah. You know? And I don't, I haven't quite felt it's not against anyone. It's just like my own personal shit, you know. You're also not getting that sort of the haptic feedback. Yeah, that you totally, get from yeah. a, a drum pounding yeah, yeah, your yeah. chest. And yeah, you, yeah, exactly. It's and, not, and, it's, and your stick sort of going, you know, the stick with a little bit of give in the head. Yeah, it's yeah. All of a sudden, hitting a rubber pad and jarring, yeah. your, head, jarring your hand. And, but they are fucking handy to have yeah, when I, someone's like, "Hey, man, do you have an SPD?" It's like, "Yeah, sure, I do." I I found a video today. <laughs> um, it's Salt featuring Odette. Mm, when you're mm, playing on, mm-hmm. and it's just you're just playing SPD on that. You've yeah. got a, you've got it looks like you've got a kick drum in front of you, but it sounds like it's yeah triggered maybe or uh, or you're playing a pad yeah, or something. I, I, I can't I, even remember if I fucking use that. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> that see that kind. Of, if I was just playing SPD and that, that kind of stuff, that's yeah, great. Yeah, I remember seeing um, James Blake at Splendor, and the drummer just had like I think it was like an SPD and like a. Just a bunch of symbols, and I was like, "That's mm. a fucking good setup because it just makes sense, you know." But when you see like <clears throat> all the all the big touring stadium, you know, bands like with all the gospel guys, and they've got like fucking two SPDs and they're playing <laughs> yeah. trap shit, I was like, I was like, "Oh man, it's just like they make that shit sound so good." Yeah, I was like, I just can't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's their lane, right? You've got your yeah, lane, yeah. so. You know, yeah, yeah. We don't need to muddy the waters. I just like to play drums. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. <clears throat> but yeah, it, it's it's definitely it's definitely a good thing to have. 
And I really wish I was more tech savvy. I'm just not fucking, I'm not that great at it. Because mm. wouldn't you think that would sort of add another element? Oh, I suppose with with Dave and Yanni with their sort of Lego mm. Yeah, yeah. Lego sets. Yeah. They can pull that stuff off. You don't need yeah. you don't need to add to that. Yeah. Oh, and and uh sorry, what was the name of the piano player guitar? Uh, uh Andrew. Andrew Bruce, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. I suppose you don't want to sort of muddy that their waters. You yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just play your Well yeah, I think drums. I think that's the thing too. It's just like you know, um especially even now when I'm recording, like I'm I don't want to fucking, I don't want to hit a ride or a crash, you know. That takes up so much space sonically. Yep. It's like when you listen to any of those Beatles records, like, fucking Ringo, like, he doesn't hit the crash that much, but when he does, he, like, really means it's like a statement. Yep. Anything like that is, like, a thing, and it's, like, a it's a big deal, but it's, like, a cho- it's a choice. It's not yep. out of habit. Yeah. And it's, like, I really like that, you know, like. When it's just like all about the drums, and it's just like, oh, cool, that's a statement. It's just like, it's cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, f- I find it using like kind of more staccato, kind of, I don't want to say earthy, but I guess earthy sounds or whatever. <laughs> but when it's just the drums by itself and then. When you have someone like Dave who's got the fucking Starship Enterprise <laughs> <laughs> pedal board yeah. and he can just make some kooky ass sounds, it's like, oh man, you don't need to yeah. add to that. Yeah, that's it's it. just like you just do you know, do some textual stuff underneath that, but like add you know, underneath it, I think it's that's a cool thing. Yeah. You've got a you've got your own style, you've got your own um or what I'm getting to here is if you if you had you like even a still shot, a silhouette of you, and nobody knew it was you. They'd look at that silhouette and they know it's you by the way your body, your body is sitting. You've got like a bit of a slouch on you, and yeah, you play yeah. with your head sort of tilted. Yeah, what? I don't know. I really don't know. What, I think I, I've been trying to figure that out. Yeah, I. Th- I mean, I, like I remember, I someone said that to me recently. And I think it was my mum. Yeah. Because <laughs> my mum, my she doesn't come to gigs very often and she'd come to the last two gigs I've done at the Union. <clears throat> and um, she was like, oh, well, you heard, turn your head to the side. <laughs> and I think that's a listening thing. I think that's oh, for okay. my ear. Okay. Like, I think, I don't know, I could be completely making this up. Yeah. But I think maybe that's like to somehow listen harder. Okay. Maybe it's an insecurity. It could be fucking either one of those things. <laughs> I just don't want anyone to look at me. What I'm getting to there is, are you feeling any sort of impact on your body by doing that? Uh, actually, this is, <laughs> you know what my dad brought me Oh, yesterday? shit. Anatomy of Trumpy. No way. <laughs> He, he's like, I got this book uh, by John Lamb, Anatomy of Drumming. <laughs> Move better, feel better, play better. I don't oh, know if he's wow. trying to tell me something. So he, or, maybe he's seen what I saw. Uh, yep. Yeah. Little John Roberts, Thomas Pridgen, Jar, Chris Dave, Clayton Cameron. Mm. They all said good things about it. So right. when, I, when I'm when i on a on a plane next, I reckon I'm going to read that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, cause you, <laughs> I mean you've got uh, – I the first drummer that comes to mind there, Dave Elitch. Like mm. he's – He's all about 
yeah. posture and er- ergonomics, ergonomics and, and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. there was a drum teacher that I, that I went to once. I only had two lessons with him, but one thing he that I really took away from him was sort of a symmetrical motion in playing, yeah, right? Yeah. And I, I'm I'm a little bit like that. I mean, I've got a bad back because I sort of slouched a little bit and. Um, but yeah, you know you've got you've got your thing and that's your thing. Yeah. But um. Yeah. I mean, and, and being thirty-two years old, maybe you're not feeling it yet. But nah, <laughs> you're gonna I've, get to I've, a stage. Oh man! Once you I've, hit I've your felt 40s, a lot, I've felt a lot of things. Yeah. But okay. I think uh, the <laughs> that I mean that thing's it's gonna fucking kick me in the ass one day. Yeah. But it's funny too because like when I'd sit down at the kit, like say you know fucking earlier today, I was sitting down just fucking around or whatever. And I was like, I'm, I don't do that. I don't do that slouchy thing. I'm, I'm quite like... You're up. I'm up. But yeah. I think it's just a performance, performance thing. Performance thing, okay. Yeah, which which is like still bad because I do play a lot in front of people, I guess. But it's like... Yeah, and I, I remember being like... Went through a phase of like trying to figure out where I want my stool to sit. Yeah, yeah. Whether I want to sit low or sit high, and it's like everyone's got their own thing, you know. Everyone's built differently, so I think I sit kind of at a good spot and kind of have my shit set high now too. So, Mm. um, because I like being surrounded by the drum kit, I don't like being on top of it, which is it's weird. I like. I like the things being there. Yeah. Like fucking when Vinnie Cully you sit real low. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did, um, speaking of Vinnie, I just saw this little short that came up on YouTube the other day. Like this is when he was playing with, with um, Sting. Yeah. And they sort of interviewed Vinnie afterwards, interviewed Sting a little bit at the start, but then they talked about his tech. And um, they're asking about, you know, how Vinny sort of sets his drums up. And Vinny likes his drums where he can just sort of throw an arm yeah, sort of out to the side, keep tuck his elbows in. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, that, yeah, that's always a thing. You never want to – I can't remember who else was saying that, but you never want to overextend. You kind of want everything to be at arm's to be, length. Yeah, so you can sort of throw it out. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's – I remember – Again, when I was like obsessed with Lucius, I used to set my kit up like him. Yeah, everything like fucking the angles. Yep, symbols. That high. was me. That was me with Weckle. Yeah, yeah. I had the Weckle. I had the, the the stack. Yeah, the the ride high. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, the high ride. Yeah, and yeah. Then, and the floor time on the left, and which I never ever and used. Then the, and then the funny thing <laughs> is, is like when I went and had a lesson with Lush, it set up completely changed. Everything was super flat. How'd you, how'd you handle that? How'd you get through that? Well, I was like, I was like, yeah, what? I asked him about it. I was like, yeah, yeah. what? Because I was like, man, I used to fucking set everything like you used yeah. to, like in the new normal days. He was like, man, I can't set my symbols up above my ears anymore because the because of the the um, the frequency, frequency yeah. <clears throat> from underneath that you get. So he sets them below his ears. Right. I was like, oh, that's a thing. That's so yeah, my symbols are getting lower and lower these days. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which is which is good, but yeah, I only I mean, I only really rock a hi hat and a ride now. That's it. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, very good. You talked about you've been going overseas a bit. What's that for? <clears throat> so, 
This year, I went to America with Nairi for uh, like 22 days. Mm. And that was like um, doing a, like it was, it was a government grant funded thing. I can't remember what it was called, but that was awesome. We went everywhere. We went like Billings, Montana, Lafayette, Louisiana, Iowa, Illinois, Frederick, Maryland, Baltimore, uh, Woodstock, Georgia, Atlanta, and then home. And we were doing theatre shows and, and did a bunch of um, workshops, like one on a reservation in Crow Country on, mm. in Billings and did like two high school or three high school workshops in American high schools, which is cool. Mm. It's kind of like this. <laughs> yeah, right, that's cool. But you kind of play a tune and, you know, the and, and the kids are like a bit sheepish at first and it's like mm. but yeah just doing a bunch of shows there and then like harvey sutherland who's <clears throat> another artist who, who's based in melbourne that i play with a lot uh went to albania with him for a festival and scandinavia went to copenhagen and oslo and went to la with him and then yeah it's just been heaps of touring with that both Nairi and Harvey just keep me so busy. That's good, man. That's really yeah. good. And any trips planned? Yeah. Mm. So there is this uh, <coughs> trip to Japan on the 10th of November with uh, this Japanese guitarist named Cha, mm. um, who I got called for this tour. It's like, I, I think it's about eight or nine shows, but I'm there for about a month and a bit. Mm. So, yeah. That's a cool thing, and I've never been to Japan before. <laughs> so, do you, do you know? Have you, do you know the guy? Do you know who you're going no. with? Wow, I've, that's cool. ne- I've, I've met him on Zoom, and I've met his manager. Uh, he's super cool. He's really, really cool. Excellent. But he was like very big in the in the seventies, kind of around in the seventies, but he's very, very big in Japan. And you know, there's videos of him and like Steve Lukather the jamming, mm. and uh, yeah, it's cool. It's like kind of blues rock fusion. Guitarist guy. So yeah, Japan. That's the thing. <laughs> that's that's rad. Yeah. Um, have there been gigs that you've turned down that you have that you've had to turn down that you kind of regret? Regret that you did because you're doing something else, or yeah, yeah. There's yeah. I you don't have to name the artist. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, for this for this um. Japan trip, I had to turn down something, mm. which is a bummer because it would have been fun because my, my friends are on it. I was like, oh, damn. Mm. But that's just the thing. That's the way it is, eh? Yeah, and it's like this is like, I think with the international thing, this like I've just been, it's been lucky. Like I've gone to places, I don't think I'll ever go back to Albania, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Not because I don't I didn't like it. It's just like, where the fuck will why I go Why would there? you go back there? Yeah, yeah, why would I go back there? Yeah. But it's just like I've never been to Japan and like there's a bunch of time off between shows. I know a bunch of people that are gonna be in Japan. It's gonna be cool. Mm. My friend lives in Tokyo. Um so it's like oh man, it's like an experience of a lifetime mm. to to do this, like you know. And it's it's funny too, because uh, I think a been in and out of 
the country for, for like not long periods of time, apart from that Nari trip earlier in the year, but it, you lose the sense of routine. And when you come back, you're just like, fuck, what am I doing? Mm. <laughs> and then you kind of go like, oh, man, I'd just love to have my teaching job back and just hang around the area. And it's just like, oh, actually, no, it's like, it's cool. <laughs> you know, because you get to see shit. Like, I just, my favorite thing to do is when I go overseas, it's just like, get to the hotel, drop the, my shit down and just go for a walk. I just, I just walk for like, I don't know, until I find a bar mm. and I sit there by myself, yep. have a beer and then just like keep walking. Mm. It's just like, even just like random shit, random boring shit. I was like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in another place, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do you get offered, do you get offered sort of more commercial artist type gigs? That would probably be a good sort of payday, but was not really in your warehouse. In your warehouse, do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say like c- commercial, like or maybe the lack of a better word. Yeah, there, but you I know mean, where I'm going. There's, there's, yeah, yep. there's, there's probably there, there are definitely things that I've been offered where I'm like, oh, that like that'd be it'd be cool, and it would be like a lot of touring for maybe not much money. But it would be a good experience. It all comes down to experience, and every experience is, I don't know. I've had enough um, experience now to know what, if it's going to be a shit vibe or not. Yeah, that's so. If it's if it's good people and it's a good hang, it's going to be a good experience. Mm. If it's like I'm a bit like cagey and they're a bit cagey, like oh I don't know, it's not going to work. Yeah, (laughs) but. There are certain things that I would love to do. Like, you know, I'd love to be touring six months of the year with like a a pop thing or in a you band. Would, you would, yeah. Yeah, or in a band or something. And it's just yeah. like you just play the same shit for six months. That I mean, that'd be fucking awesome. Mm. You know, me and Yanni always talk about like, we look at like the Tedeschi Trucks band schedule. It's just like, man, this fucking dance <laughs> yeah. to a like eight months of the year. It's just like that would be so awesome mm. to do one, oh, one year once, of that, one year of that, and be like, okay, I've had enough. Yeah, <clears throat> mm. but like the experience would be incredible. Like, you know, but I think at this point, yeah, I'm kind of keeping it tight knit in the family like where it's just like you know all the people that i play with now are my you know dear friends yeah and that they, they you know I, I have been for a while work with them for a long time so it's like and i can rely on them and they rely on me and it's like i don't have to like be like oh i gotta go search for this thing <laughs> and if something comes up like this this char thing just ended up happening because mm. you know um Steve Balby, who's a good friend of mine, I, you know, work with him and record with him. Who's and his best friend Justin Stanley, ended up was recording Char's new record and then hit me up and, you know, I've I haven't met Justin before. I almost met him in LA, but super lovely dude. So yeah, what's the thing? I've played with Steve Balby. Oh really? And this is my Steve Balby story. Yes. Right, so I we played a um. It was like a a um 
an agency manager, she was she was uh, dying of lung cancer. Mm. So we put on like a um, fundraiser thing for her out at Campbelltown Catholic Club. Mm. Catho. The Catho, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so the band that I was in at the time, Endless Summer Beach Party, is like a covers thing, mm. beachy sort of music. and So we played out there. And um, Steve Belby was a solo solo act and mm. he was on before us. And, of course, we had all the gear set up. And anyway, so he was doing one song. And then he just, like, yells out, I need someone to come up, just play bass drum. <laughs> <laughs> so I ran up there, jumped on my drum yeah. kit, just went yeah. for a song. And that was it. That that was yeah. my Steve Belby jam. So that was cool, man. Steve's the best, man. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah, he's been he's been very lovely to me. Mm. And, he, yeah, it's cool. I, just, he, I go out to his place every now and then. He's because um, I met Steve at JMC because he was he was working there, mm. and uh, every now and then he's he's got these little kind of singer songwriters and bands that he he works with, and he he's recording stuff and he needs drums, so I just go out to his place and track drums in his little studio and he's on his little sixties premier kit. Yeah, cool. And sick, sick vibe. That's he's awesome. Great dude, fucking beautiful guy. Good stuff. So besides the tour coming up in November and the sort of local gigs you got you got going on, any recordings coming up? Um, no, not really. Mm. Like that's that's kind of that's it. Mm. Like I'll I'll do a bunch of bits and pieces, but nothing really major before I go. Mm-hmm. That's kind of it, which yep. I'm happy about. Like, and that'll do your year out, right? Yeah. Yep. Come home for Christmas and. Yeah. Well, I kind of want to. I definitely want to record something. Um, next year, with Dave down at his place in Coldale. Mm. Um, but that's that's kind of been on the back. Back foot for <laughs> mm. a while now. Do you have your own? Just on that. Do you have your own? Um, your own songs that you've written nah. as a drummer, like a. You know, based no. around a group, no, nothing like that. No, you know what's funny? Like, I, I, the more I was circling back to Abe, like the more I think about that, yeah. that record, confidence mm. to make mistakes. I was like, oh fuck, you can do something. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I know Abe is like it can play uh, uh, everything and can sing as well. So I was, I was like, you know, he's a pretty mean bass player. Too. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So it was just like, I was like, fuck, it'd be cool to do something like that. But I've had ideas of what I wanted to do, but I think, again, I think the only way it's going to happen is if I don't think about it and just go in and do something and mm. make something of it. Yep. And just see what sticks, you know. I think that's that's the thing. But Very good. Yeah, yeah I, I, I had Abe on the podcast. Yeah. I don't know if you heard it, but um, it was before – it was the Christmas before COVID. Mm-hmm. When he came out here, and he was staying with his dad, Victor, and um, yeah, went out there and had a hang with him. He's yeah, awesome man, best dude. Yeah, best dude. Yeah. <laughs> Always, yeah. no matter no matter when it is you see him or where yeah. it is, he's just the loveliest guy. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. All right, Tully man, this has been great man. I've really yeah. enjoyed chatting and talking yeah, shit. Thanks, Stevie. And, it's yeah. legend. It's awesome. <laughs> it's good stuff. Bro. I yeah. wish you all the best for the rest yeah. of the year, and um, uh, I'll, I'll keep my eye on the. Socials when you've got yeah. 
something playing around and I'll, I'll come out and easy. sit down and have a beer. Legend. All right, brother. Yeah, thanks, man. Take it easy, man. <laughs> See ya.